Wednesday, May 30th, 2012, episode number three of the Football Nation Today podcast with Alex Reamer on footballnation.com. Welcome inside another edition of the Football Nation Today podcast. It is episode number three on Wednesday, May the 30th of 2012. My name is Alex Reamer. Just about done with the month of May, moving into June. And each and every Wednesday right here, of course, on footballnation.com, you can expect a brand new edition of the Football Nation Today podcast with yours truly, Alex Reamer, until the tail end of the summer, end of July, early August, when NFL training camps officially begin This show will be once per week, every Wednesday, getting you up to date on all the latest happenings around the National Football League. And even though this is the quote-unquote dead time of the football season, there seems to always be a plethora of news and notes to talk about. This week is no exception to that. We, of course, will have our first down, second down, third down, and fourth down segments in which we will discuss uh, tidbits from last week's NFL OTAs, everything from the Tim Tebow and Mark Sanchez QB controversy with the Jets to the Hakeem Nicks injury to the Giants, also, of course, playing in New York. Uh, in the second down segment, we'll talk about the NFL PA's collusion case against the NFL regarding the Cowboys and Redskins, a salary cap um grievances regarding the uncapped year in 2010 where the NFL punished the Cowboys and Redskins saying they overspent in 2010 even though it was in fact an uncapped year. NFLPA saying the NFL uh, owners colluded about a salary cap in that uncapped year. So that's a juicy story which we'll get into in our second down segment. Third down, of course, it's big up, slow down. Talking about everything from NFL players now having to wear knee pads and thigh pads to the Baltimore defense. Terrell Suggs out with a Torn Achilles tendon. Ray Lewis said Reed getting older. Of course, the Ravens had their OTAs last week as well. Is the Ravens defense set to decline for this season? We'll talk about that. And then our fourth down segment is the Reamer rant. Uh, Nick Fairley, Detroit Lions defensive lineman. Uh, just the latest Detroit lineman, uh, Detroit Lion to get in trouble with the law this offseason. Uh, those Lions coming off a playoff berth. Winning football in Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. Not so fast with some of the offseason behavior from their players. As always, we encourage you to get involved in the program. Send your emails my way. My email address is areamer at bu.edu. Also, hit me up on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at AlexReamer1. Give me a follow. Much appreciated. You can uh, follow my uh, daily happenings on Twitter. Give you everything from sports opinions to self-promotion with this show and my Red Sox podcast without a curse to... uh, to uh, the absurd things that happen in my life and my equally absurd observations. So, at AlexDreamer1, my Twitter handle, probably get annoyed with me after a few days, but give me a follow nonetheless because it makes me feel good to know I have more followers. But it is the Football Nation Today podcast on footballnation.com. We will be right back on this last Wednesday in the month of May. Hopefully you all had a nice, long Memorial Day weekend. Back to the work work grind. We're making your work day just a little bit better, hopefully. We'll be back on footballnation.com.
Okay, welcome to our first down segment where, of course, we take a look at the biggest on-field NFL stories of the week. And the biggest on-field NFL story of the week from this past week has to be some of the news and notes from the NFL OTAs. Every NFL team had um, OTAs last week. A lot of headlines coming from these. The biggest headline has to be what went on with the New York Jets in their OTA. More specifically, what went on with the Jets in their quarterback position. I think many of us saw this coming, but we finally saw it come to light in real time last week. Uh, the Tim, Te- Tim Tebow and Mark Sanchez on the same team, playing the same position. Uh, yeah, that's going to cause quite the media circus this season. Uh, Tebow threw two interceptions during OTAs last week. He was moved to special teams as a punt protector during some workouts as as well. uh, Peter King, the great NFL reporter for Sports Illustrated, counted up that only 2,104 words in the five major New York dailies last week were devoted to the Giants, the defending Super Bowl champion New York Giants, I may add, losing one of their star receivers, Akeem Nix, for up to 12 weeks. And 6,971 words in the five major New York dailies last week were devoted to the Tim Tebow-Mark Sanchez quote-unquote QB controversy. (sighs) Nice to know where the New York media's priorities are, huh? I mean, more than three times the amount of words were devoted to the Tebow-Sanchez pseudo-QB controversy then the Giants, the defending Super Bowl champion, New York Giants, I may add, losing one of their star receivers, Akeem Nix, for up to 12 weeks. Now, as we said at the top, the Jets should have, should have seen this controversy coming with bringing aboard Tebow. Bringing aboard Tebow intrinsically brings this media circus to your team. And I've gone on record saying, in this, saying this in the past. I'll repeat it here on the show. This is going to absolutely blow up in the Jets' face. This is a lose-lose for all parties involved. Um, can Tim Tebow bring a wrinkle to the Jets' offense? Sure, he can bring a wrinkle to the Jets' offense. Tim Tebow, on his worst day, is still a terrific athlete and a potentially dynamic force on the field if used in the right manner. So, yes, okay, I will grant you that. Tim Tebow, if used properly can add a wrinkle in the Jets' offense. But I say this, but is that wrinkle worth the media circus and the controversy that Tebow brings? I would say not. And I also say this is a lose-lose for all parties involved because you look at both players here and their developments as quarterbacks in the league, Tim Tebow and Mark Sanchez, I, unlike some, do in fact leave the Tim Tebow can have a future in this league as a quarterback. I think he showed us enough last year with Denver. Is he ever going to be Peyton Manning or Drew Brees in the pocket? No, not even close. But did Tim Tebow's passing improve as the year progressed? In some respects, yes. And here's the biggest thing with Tebow. And I know this isn't intangible, but just watch the guy play one game and you know it's true. He's a winner. He's a leader, his teammates respect him, and most importantly, when the lights are shining brightest, he performs his best. You look back to the playoff game against Pittsburgh this past January, 
In overtime, Tebow finds Demarius Thomas over the middle of the field. Perfect throw. Touchdown. Broncos win the game. The fourth quarter statistics are not a mirage with the amount of times that Tim Tebow has led the, Bron led the Broncos to victory and his Florida Gators to victory in college even in the fourth quarter and at the end of games. Tim Tebow has skills that you cannot teach. You can teach him to become a better passer. You can teach him to become a to have a better presence in the pocket. That can be learned to an extent. You can teach Tim Tebow to have a better throwing motion. What you cannot teach a quarterback, though, are those intangibles that Tim Tebow does possess. You can't teach someone to be a winner. You can't teach someone to be a leader. You can't teach somebody to have his teammates respect him and hold him in the highest light. And most, if not all, of Tim Tebow's teammates, wherever he's gone, college, the pros, respect him and hold him in the highest light. Tim Tebow has won pretty much everywhere he's gone. That is not a coincidence. So unlike some, I still believe Tim Tebow can learn as a quarterback. Unfortunately, the place where Tebow can learn is not in New York sitting behind Mark Sanchez. It does not help Tim Tebow's cause to be placed in that controversy around a guy like Sanchez, who frankly needs a mentor himself. You know, I mean, the Jets talked a lot about giving Sanchez some competition. As you know, there were a lot of rumblings around the Jets last season that Mark Sanchez didn't take his craft all that seriously at times. Well, bringing in Tim Tebow certainly gives Sanchez some competition, but it's the wrong kind of competition. Mark Sanchez, at this stage in his career, fourth year in the league now, needs competition in which he can learn from, meaning Mark Sanchez needed a veteran quarterback to be brought in who, yes, could give him a run for his money in training camp and put the pressure on Sanchez to perform well in training camp and throughout the season in practice, but also someone who he could learn from. A Chad Henney, I think, who signed with Jacksonville, would have made perfect sense. A guy who has had some success in the league as a starting quarterback, a veteran who Sanchez could learn from, and a veteran who's, who could also push Sanchez as well without all the media scrutiny that comes with Tim Tebow. The Tim Tebow-Mark Sanchez situation is going to be a media circus this season. Neither party benefits all that much from it. And frankly, I would say the Jets don't even benefit all that much from it because neither of their quarterbacks are going to improve all that much this season because both need a mentor and Sanchez cannot be Tebow's mentor. Tebow cannot be Sanchez's mentor. Mentor, And also, sure, maybe Tim Tebow adds a little wrinkle to the Jets' offense, but is that little wrinkle worth the media circus, the media controversy, and everything else that comes with it? I'm leaning towards no. Quickly, some other news from NFL OTAs. I guess we're guilty of the same thing the New York Dailies are guilty of because we're not going to spend much time at all on the Hakeem Nicks injury, though if you look at it from a football context, it really is the more important story, and that, of course, is Hakeem Nicks of the Giants broke his right foot during team activities, could miss up to 12 weeks, which means he may not be available for the season opener in the first week of September. Um, the Giants would go through the preseason with a depleted receiving core as Mario Manningham also signed with the 49ers over the offseason. Rookie Ruben Randall from LSU will have to step up and impress throughout training camp for Eli Manning and the New York Giants. But that's a pretty big hit for the Giants because their offense last season did depend more heavily on the pass than it had in years previous. Uh, years prior, excuse me. Uh, Manningham's now gone. Knicks could be gone for up to 12 weeks. Uh, that leaves just Victor Cruz as the last remaining 
uh, big giant wide receiver from the Super Bowl season. And the Philadelphia Eagles, we covered this last week, signed LaShawn McCoy to a five-year $45 million contract. Many thought that would set the market for Bears running back Matt Forte, who in four years has rushed for over 4,000 yards and scored 20 touchdowns for the Bears. Uh, however, Chicago Bears have not lined up to pay Matt Forte yet. They have been criticized in some circles for this. I, however, do not criticize the Bears because Matt Forte is still under contract, so he's still signed for this season. And, as I said last week with the Eagles and McCoy, long-term signing running backs to these mega contracts is a bad investment. Never mind the fact that it's a passing-oriented league and a and, and you know, you show me an offense in which the running back is the highest paid player or one of the highest paid players, and you show me an offense in which it's running back centric, and I'll show you an offense that frankly isn't very good in today's NFL. So that's number one. It's a pass oriented league. And number two, running backs are just bad investments. They take a pounding. And especially if they receive the amount of touches a guy like Matt Forte receives, um, they're not going to hold up. The Bears have gotten four terrific years out of Forte, and if they pay Matt Forte now, they're paying him solely for his prior performance and not for future performance. And that is the ultimate death knell if you're any professional sport franchise. The cardinal rule in dealing with potential free agents, dealing with current free agents, the cardinal rule in the free agent market is you, yes, of course, you're going to have to pay for some past performance, but you want to especially pay for future performance. And if you pay Matt Forte now, based on what he's done over the past four years, you're paying him for what he's done over the past four years and not what he's going to do over the next four years. Because if you project Matt Forte's production over the next four seasons, it is going to be a dramatic drop-off from his production over the past four years. So... The Bears may be criticized for it in some circles, but they can take their criticism knowing that in the long run, they will, proven, they will be proven to be correct in not signing Matt Forte to a mega deal like the Eagles signed with Sean McCoy to. And also conversely, Mike Wallace, Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver, did not appear at Team OTAs last week. He hasn't even signed his restricted free agent tender, so unlike Wes Welker with the Patriots, Mike Wallace actually still has some leverage in his corner. Um, this is a story because the Steelers have a new offensive coordinator and Todd Haley, so the system is different. Ben Roethlisberger went on record as saying that Haley's system is dramatically different than the previous offensive system the Steelers worked under, but there is still some leverage in Wallace's corner. He's by far the Steelers' number one wide receiver. It is a pass-oriented league. Wallace will be, will be brought back. He may miss some training camp. The Steelers may still try to play hardball with him. But Wallace is going to play hardball back. And as we've seen in several instances in today's NFL, playing hardball is really the only way to ensure that you get money out of these NFL teams. Let's move on now to our second down segment where we take a look at the biggest off-field story of the week in the NFL. And the biggest off-field story of the week in the NFL this week has to do with the NFLPA once again fighting against the NFL owners. I'm reading this off the NFL section on Yahoo Sports. Uh, quote, the NFL Players Association last week claimed in U.S. District Court in Minnesota on Wednesday, so we're talking last Wednesday, that the 32 teams had a secret salary cap in place during the uncapped 2010 season and that it cost players at least $1 billion in wagers. In wages. Uh, cartels do what cartels will do when left unchecked, DeMorris Smith said. 
Thursday outside Union headquarters. The facts justify the complaint. Uh, on Wednesday, after hours after the court action, the NFL issued a statement saying the union's claims have absolutely no merit and we fully expect them to be dismissed. Uh, the crux of the issue, of course, is the Redskins, and I'm reading this from the article, uh, quote, the Redskins are losing $36 million and the Cowboys $10 million for overspending during the young cap season, a revelation that, in part, spurred the union's claim of collusion. When we feel those rules are violated, we will, on behalf of our players, always act in their best interest. Smith said the 32 teams are defendants of the action right now. If there is evidence that is developed later on that would demonstrate that any of those teams did not abide by the conspiracy, then my guess is those teams will make the appropriate assertions and we'll see where we end up. The complaint claims that conspiracy uh, set a $123 million salary cap for the 2010 season when the owners did not have the authority to do so. So essentially, the story here is the NFLPA thinks the NFL and the NFL owners colluded to set a $123 million salary cap in 2010. Owners were not allowed to go above that cap when, in fact, it was an uncapped year. NFL owners wouldn't have been able to do that, and the Redskins and Cowboys have been punished in cap penalties, $36 million for Washington, $10 million because they did go over the $123 million, and look, you know, this is two stories. Number one, we'll talk with this a little bit in Big Up, Slow Down, in our third down segment. Uh, the NFLPA is fighting the NFL on everything. Uh, it's pretty apparent that though there is technically labor peace in the NFL, uh, it's anything but peaceful. Uh, there are still a lot of hard feelings over the lockout last season, so the NFLPA and the NFL are going to fight each other on everything. That's number one. But number two, and this specific to this case, um, I think the Cowboys and Redskins and the NFLPA actually have an argument here. Uh, the Redskins have been punished $36 million. Cowboys have been punished $10 million for supposedly overspending in 2010, which was an uncapped year. Um, the problem with that is, as I just mentioned, 2010 was supposed to be an uncapped year. <laughs> there may have been an unwritten rule for teams to respect the regulations teams to maybe not go over a $123 million figure, and if a memo was sent out, that is collusion, because owners cannot collude with each other to set the market, so that is collusion, number one, um, and number two, again, that may have been an unwritten rule, and Jerry Jones and Dan Snyder may have been sent a memo about it, may have been told about it, may have been told to abide by it, but ultimately, none of that was in writing. You know, and the Cowboys and Redskins really didn't do anything wrong by the law. 2010 was supposed to be an uncapped season. And the Cowboys and Redskins maybe tested the boundaries a little bit and got a little more creative than other teams did with the salary cap. And maybe some other owners were upset at that. But that's still not a reason to punish the Redskins by $36 million and the Cowboys by $10 million. And also, as an aside here... Even though the Redskins were docked $36 million this season on the cap, uh, they still found a way to sign who they wanted to sign. They still found a way to sign Pierre Garçon to that five-year, $42.5 million deal. They still found a way to sign receiver Josh Morgan to a pretty lucrative multi-year contract as well. Uh, the Cowboys still find a way to you know, sign, uh, draft Maurice Claiborne in the draft. They didn't have to trade down in the draft. They could still sign an expensive top-10 pick. Uh, they haven't had to really lose anybody of significance. The Cowboys haven't um, due to cap constraints this offseason. 
So that also goes to show you that in today's NFL, it's not like the NHL. It's not a hard cap. Uh, you can misconstrue the cap numbers to how you would like them to be in most cases. You know, I mean, this is a different tangent, and I'm sure we'll get to this at some point this year on the Football Nation Today podcast, but the NFL cap is pretty close to crap. What I mean by that is it's an excuse for a lot of teams to say, oh, we can't sign this player. Look at the cap ramifications that would take. I mean, you can't go overboard, and you have to manage it well. But if you manage it well, like the good teams in the league do, you can pretty much sign whoever you want to sign. And I think the Redskins showed us that this offseason, they were ducked $36 million on the cap, and they still found a way to pretty much sign whoever they wanted to sign in free agency over this past offseason. I think the Cowboys and Redskins have a case there. I do. We go to our third down segment now, the big up, slow down segment. And our first big up, slow down ties directly into the other point I was talking about there with the NFLPA and the NFL fighting each other at every turn this offseason. Big up, slow down. Wearing knee pads and thigh pads will make a significant difference with player safety. That was mandated by the league. The NFLPA fought the league on that, but it has been mandated. Players must wear knee pads and thigh pads. I say slow down. This will not make a major difference with player safety. The NFL had to implement it from a perception standpoint. The NFLPA is fighting them on it because they want to fight the NFL on everything and are also hypocritical themselves. We covered this last week on the show and the week before that, too. I think I have the feeling just three weeks into the Football Nation Today podcast that this will be a theme, the hypocrisy of the NFLPA. Um, on one hand. They talk about a player safety is their priority and how the owners aren't looking out for the players and they're the only ones looking out for the players. But then on the other hand, they're appealing the bounty gate suspensions. You know, supposed leaders of the NFLPA, like linebacker Jonathan Vilma, are advocating for player safety by day and then devising schemes to take out the opposing quarterback by night to collect that week's bounty. Um, that's the hypocrisy there. This is another example of that. Uh, are knee pads and thigh pads going to make a major difference in player safety? No, of course not. But the NFL has to mandate it from a perception standpoint. And it's going to make a small difference in the sense that it will slow down the game a little bit. Uh, and the NFLPA says, oh no, we don't want the game to be slowed down. Well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know, either you want player safety or you don't. And I'm not saying knee pads and thigh pads is going to make a major difference here. Slow down, it won't. But it's going to slow the game down a little bit. And if you slow the game down even a little bit, you maybe make the game just a tad more safer. Uh, and the fact that the NFLPA, even from a perception standpoint, did not willingly go along with this just tells you that, really, their best interest here is to go against the NFL, and their best interest is just to secure the most money for their players, like most players' unions, uh, player safety, yeah, it's an issue they bring up when it's convenient for them, but ultimately, it's not their number one priority. And as I said, that's the biggest problem with the NFL culture. The owners aren't going to have real respect and true respect for the player's safety until the players do. But slow down. Wearing knee pads and thigh pads will not make a significant difference with player safety. This just had to be mandated from a perception standpoint. Uh, big up or slow down? With Terrell Suggs out. Due to an Achilles tendon tear and Ray Lewis and Ed Reed getting older, the Ravens' defense will decline in 2012. I say big up. The Ravens' defense will decline 
in 2012. I think last season was Baltimore's final chance with this roster to make a Super Bowl run. The Terrell Suggs Achilles tendon tear has just accelerated the declining process with this Baltimore Ravens defense. Ray Lewis is getting older. Ed Reed is getting older. That secondary has always been a weakness for Baltimore. Um, they still have Haloti Nada on defensive line. Still have some good defensive players, no doubt about it, though they did lose their defensive coordinator, Chuck Pagano. He's now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. So more coaching turnover for the Baltimore coaching staff as well. Uh, that defense will no longer be able to carry that team. That offense is going to have to be able to step up, carry the load a little bit. And, you know, Joe Flacco showed me absolutely nothing last season. They played a horrific AFC championship game against the Patriots. I mean, it is astounding to me, still to this day, that it took offensive coordinator Cam Cameron uh, roughly three and a half quarters to realize that Julian Edelman, a, wide re a slot wide receiver, was covering Anquan Bolden. <laughs> you know, it, it is astounding to me that Cam Cameron didn't realize that until midway through the fourth quarter. That, oh my God, uh, the Patriots have a slot receiver covering a behemoth of a man like Anquan Bolden. Why don't we exploit that matchup? Uh, so, to me, the Ravens' offense is anything but imaginative. I mean, look, that is a running-centric offense. Ray Rice is the center, is the featured piece in that offense, and it's an offense that struggles to score. It's a team that's been carried by their defense, and it's a defense now that, with the age of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and a couple of the other key guys there, has declined for a couple, you know, will will decline in the upcoming seasons because just the law of averages, it has to. And uh, the Terrell Suggs Achilles tendon tear, I fear, will only accelerate the declining process for that Baltimore defense. Big up or slow down. The Saints are incredibly stupid for not signing Drew Brees to a long-term extension. I say big up here as well. Uh, Drew Brees missed OTAs last week because of this contract situation. Brees threw for 46 touchdowns, 5,476 yards last season. So, <laughs> doesn't seem like... Uh, Breeze is anywhere near the decline, huh? Uh, he's the Saints franchise guy, face of that team. First of all, the Saints could use some positive PR with everything that's gone wrong there this offseason. Uh, but also, you just look at it from a football perspective. How can you not sign Drew Brees long-term to a deal similar to what the Broncos gave Peyton Manning or before that what the Colts gave Peyton Manning, what the Patriots gave Tom Brady? Uh, we've discussed this in past shows. This is going to be another theme. The most valuable commodity in today's NFL is an elite quarterback. And Drew Brees... Who already has a, and Drew Brees, who already has a Super Bowl under his belt as well, is undoubtedly an elite quarterback. He's one of the top three quarterbacks in the game right there with Manning, Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning. I mean, top five, right? And I would actually, you know, if you look at it from a statistical standpoint, you could say that Brees is number one in the NFL uh, playing in that dome with the Saints and how valuable he is to that offense and everything that he does, spreading the ball as effectively as he does as well. Um, I cannot understand for the life for me, uh, for the life of me, why the Saints have not sat down with Drew Brees and said, "Okay, here's what Tom Brady got from the Patriots, here's what Peyton Manning got from the Colts, and now he got from the Denver Broncos. Let's sign you to a deal equivalent to these." 
I mean, what's so hard about this? We know what the market is for Drew Brees. It's been set by Brady and Manning. Uh, we know the value of a Drew Brees as well. The Saints need positive PR. He, Drew Brees is a, uh, you know, is a, is a very um, visible force in the city of New Orleans, loved by the fan base there. Uh, I just cannot understand, I cannot comprehend for the life of me, why the Saints haven't sat down and given Drew Brees a mega extension. It, it makes zero sense. I cannot conjure up any defense for why the Saints haven't done it. So big up. They are absolutely idiotic, are the New Orleans Saints, for not signing Drew Brees to a long-term extension yesterday. It is now time for a fourth down segment. Wrap up the show with the Reamer rant. And the Reamer rant this week has to do with stupid football players. Not reckless football players, but more stupid football players. We are talking about Detroit Lions defensive tackle Nick Fairley, who was arrested in Alabama over this past week for driving under the influence of alcohol and then trying to evade the police. Well, that's never good, man. Trying to evade the police. They know something's wrong there. It was Fairley's second arrest in two months. It is the um, fifth known legal entanglement, if you will, uh, for members of the Lions roster this offseason. Fairley was arrested on April the 3rd for a misdemeanor marijuana possession. Now receiver Titus Young was also missing last week from Team OTAs after fighting with safety. Louis Delmas, a couple other Lions players, were entangled in legal controversy this offseason due to marijuana possession. Um, DUI is a serious crime. Because as we know, not only are you putting yourself in danger, you're putting others in danger as well. So that's the biggest issue with DUI. And as a side here, I will never understand for the life of me why professional athletes get DUIs. Um, you're of age, so you don't have to hide anything from anybody. If you go out to drink, that's fine, especially in the offseason. No one's stopping you. Um, but hire a car service. I mean, you have the money to do it. Hire a car service. I mean, you know the ramifications here, so... That's number one. I will never understand for the life of me why athletes get hammered with these DUIs. Pun not intended, but that was pretty good, wasn't it? Hammered with the DUIs. Get it? Ah, waka waka. Tune into the Football Nation Today podcast for jokes like that. But, all right. Marijuana possession. I am someone who thinks marijuana should be legalized in this country. Was a misdemeanor as well. So, you know, it's not an incredibly reckless crime if you are getting caught with marijuana. In fact, I am of the theory that the most value to be found in the NFL draft is getting the guys who have been charged with marijuana possession in college because ultimately it's nothing harmful. It doesn't really hinder your performance. Uh, you know, Aaron Hernandez of the Patriots a couple years ago dropped in the draft to the second or third round because he supposedly had marijuana issues in college, whatever that means. And the Patriots and Bill Belichick drafted Aaron Hernandez. And look look where Aaron Hernandez is now, right? One of the best receiving tight ends in the league. Um, so I would draft the hell out of the marijuana guys. I do. So I don't think that's a serious crime at all. Um, you know, it's not nothing reckless. Uh, receiver Titus Young fights with teammate Louis Delmas. You know, just a stupid thing. Hot-headed guys in their 20s get into fights. But the issue here is that the players are not showing a lot of smarts. I mean, if you're Nick Fairley, you got to be a little smarter, man. I mean, what are you doing getting charged with misdemeanor marijuana possession? Keep the weed in your house. What are you doing going around with large... Um, you know, with a large quantity quantity of marijuana on you. You know, what are you doing driving 100 miles an hour under the influence at night? You know, Titus Young, what are you doing getting into a fight with your teammate? Uh, you know, just the Lions are coming off a playoff season. 
You'd like to think the players should be smarter than this because that's also the part of a winning organization, not just performing well on the field, but performing well off the field as well. And the Lions are winners now. They had a 10-1 season in 2011. It's time for the players to start acting like winners and uh, getting booked with misdemeanor marijuana possessions, DUI, fighting with your teammates. Is it anything reckless? Are they the worst crimes ever? No, absolutely not. But are they stupid, juvenile crimes? Yes. And it's time for the Detroit Lions players to stop acting like stupid juveniles and start acting like winners, which, going off last season, they are, at least on the field. So now it's time for them to start acting like that off the field as well. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Football Nation Today podcast with yours truly, Alex Reamer. As always, your feedback to the show is appreciated. We will have a download link on the show page on footballnation.com. I know some of you asked for that last week. Our apologies for not including the download link in the show article for the first two shows. As I said a couple weeks ago when we first started this podcast, we're really looking to develop the podcast division here at footballnation.com. So this is a learning process for us. Uh, If you have any suggestions to the show, if any suggestions to make the show more accessible, as always, send your suggestions to us and uh, we will Uh, embed a download link to the show in the article for this week's program. So hopefully now you'll be able to download the Football Nation uh, Today podcast and take it with you wherever you go. My email is areamer at bu.edu. My Twitter handle, at AlexReamer1. Your feedback to the show, much appreciated. We will try our best to enact any suggestions you give us. Uh, Enjoy your week. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, We'll be back next Wednesday with more football analysis. We'll have an interview lined up for you next Wednesday as well. We're always looking to incorporate Football Nation contributors to the show. If you have any ideas for guests for us, let us know. And next week we'll be back with the interviews as well. So so long, everybody. Thank you for listening. Have a terrific week. We'll talk to you next on the Football Nation Today podcast next Wednesday.